0: So I've, I have a little confession to make. Not really a confession, but I slept terrible last night. I, I dreamt about this message, and I don't know why, because I'm not afraid to give it. There's nothing scary or bad about it, but I, I did such a poor job in my dream like three different times. You know, and I, I don't know why. I don't normally worry about messages. I don't worry, maybe this, the hard, scary ones, I don't worry about them. But for some reason, this one this was, not a good, it was not a good night of sleep last night. So. Just so you're aware that if God smacks you upside the head, he was working on me last night too. So. Um that we're gonna be in Acts chapter four, verses thirty two to thirty five, and the title of the message is Money, Money, Money. And it's so it's pretty clear, right? It's pretty obvious that what we are going to talk about is what? Money. Uh and I know it's one of everybody's favorite topics in church, right? Talking about money. Um it might make some people feel uncomfortable, it might make us want to squirm, but this message isn't about that the hazards of money, of the dangers of loving money, or about even trying to convince you to give more. It's not even that kind of message. The, the message today is about making sure that when you give money or resources, that you do it the right way. Um, you know, because you know, very often, you guys have opportunities to give, give money, give resources. Today you've had two, and I could, all, I could throw in a third one. Uh, those of you who are in Sunday school had the little envelope passed by you today. You could have donated money there. The offering plate that goes by every Sunday is an opportunity to donate money. Uh, the Iwana store that's going to be in a week and a half is another opportunity to donate money or to donate supplies. And when it comes to donating money or supplies, you really have three options. Uh, the first one is to give wholeheartedly, give for the right reason, give for the right purpose, give the right way. And that's because you want to. Something inside of you says, hey, I just really want to help somebody out. I want to give something. I just feel, it just makes me feel good. I know it's going to bless that person. And let me tell you, that is the really only right reason to give. The second one is to give half heartedly. That's because I feel like I have to. I see that plate going by, and I'm like, I hear the clink, and I see everybody else going like this, and I feel like I should, too. I have a little guilt. Uh, And then option number three is to give nothing at all, which, believe it or not, is sometimes the best option. Not all the time, but sometimes it's the best option. And today, with the passage, we're going to be looking at the first two. We're going to look at a guy who gave because he wanted to, and we're going to look at a couple who gave because they felt like they should give. And I'm I'm going to tell you, I'm guilty of both. I'm guilty of all three of these. Sometimes uh, in my life I've given because I've wanted to. I've gotten excited about giving. I know it's beneficial, and I want to do it. But I've also been the guy who's given because he's seen that little offering plate go by, or that little envelope, or because there was some need in the church or in town, and I felt like, well, I know it's the right thing to do, and everybody else is doing it, and so I've done it. But there's also been times where I've just said, you know what? I don't feel like giving, and so I'm not going to give. And that's, like we said, is okay too. But maybe that's you. Maybe you say, I, I, can, I can see exactly where you're standing, Josh. I know because I've been there myself. Uh, but today, it's a good reminder is to give the right way because you feel like you want to give. Uh, Acts chapter 4, verses 32 to 35. First, we're going to look at the opportunity to give. Acts chapter 4, verses 32 to 35. It says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needed person among them. For from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sale and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as they had need. So in that day and age, if, if, there was, if you're going to make it through a financial crisis, there was not the government to bail you out. There was no stimulus check. There was nothing at your disposal except the people around you. Uh, we're going to be looking at taking care of the widows in Acts chapter 6 in a couple of weeks. It was just a normal order of things. If I, if I get lame and I can't work, I've got to go somewhere to help me. And for the church, they did a very good job of looking out and taking care of each other. The money had to come from somewhere. Where was it going to come from? Verse 34 says, From time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money to the cell, and put it to the apostles' feet. Verse 32, we'll look at first before that. It says, uh, No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had. So the first thing that people were willing to do, if they saw a need, they said, I have possessions. I'm willing to let you have these. I'm willing to share these because uh, you obviously are in need. Now that might be a plow. It might be a, a yoke of oxen, It might be a cloak or a dish. But they, but they didn't uh, they didn't really have a whole lot, obviously, that they could share. But what they had, they were willing to share. You know, we bought hangers yesterday. Or we, we got them in the mail a couple days ago. Do you know why? Because we need more. We have clothes. We have more multiple sets of shirts, and we... Uh, are finally getting our kids to hang up their clothes. They need hangers too, and so we're, we're giving them them. But we have more than one set of clothes. Back then, it wasn't necessarily that way. My dish broke all of a sudden. I might be going to your house. Uh, but these people were willing to give of their possessions, but they were also willing to sell their lands and their houses. We looked at this back in Acts chapter two when we looked at one of the five disciplines or the five practices of the early church. Acts chapter two verse forty uh forty four and forty five it says all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. So what might that mean? We talked about this a little bit back then. What might it mean if I'm going to sell my land or my house in order to bring the pot the feet the money, the money to someone else to give? Well if I have land and all of a sudden I'm selling it, all of a sudden the inheritance that my kids are going to get might go by the wayside. My kids may not be happy about the fact they thought they were getting this big ranch and now they're getting absolutely nothing. Uh, it means that I don't have as much uh, avenue to feed my crop or feed my, my livestock or to hay my land, you know, for my cows to eat or my oxen to eat. For them, it might, they had a houses and if they, they didn't, if they had more than one, that other one might be rented out. That was another source of income. That all of a sudden they were not going to have. Uh, I meant less financial security. You know, I have three vehicles. Hopefully, when Noah's driving, he doesn't ruin one. But if that should happen, guess what? I have two left, and he's not touching them. <laughs> um, but these people said, you know what, we want to take care of each other right now. We 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 we're gonna do what it takes to look out for each other. And they they didn't wait until uh someone to help them out first. They said, We are going to go out and help them before they help us and they took that money and they laid it at the disciples feet they took their hands off it completely there was no tax write-off there was no financial benefit to them to do this it was just something that they gave away free and clear the offering plates going by here I'm dumping it in and I'm taking my hands off I have nothing to do with this anymore now it can be hard to do you know if you think about these people when they're giving that money all of a sudden You don't have control over who's getting it. It's going to somebody who's needy, but why is that person needy? Um, How needy is needy? I mean, how much are they going to get? How much money do they regularly get from the church? What are they going to do with the money once they get it? They didn't worry about those things. They did what Darren does. We talked about this in, uh, sorry to put you on the spot, but it's a great example. Uh, We talked about this at a Diki meeting once, and we talked about giving money to people. He talked about giving money to a guy in the street. You know, and it's, we discussed how hard that could be because once he gets that, we don't know what he's going to do with it. You know, if he's going to buy alcohol, if he's going to buy beer, or if he's going to smoke or whatever he's going to do with it. But Darren's like, I give it to him, I let go of it. You know, it's not mine anymore, it's his. Hopefully he does the right thing, but Darren is doing the right thing. And that's what these people were doing. They're giving it to the disciples to say, look, we trust you. You take care of this. And it says in verse 32, it says, all the people were one in heart and mind as they did this. That means they had the same love and affection for each other. This wasn't just a few people trying to help everybody. This was everybody working together to help each other out. Uh, they, they, they felt an intense responsibility for each other, kind of like a family. You know, uh, I, I can only imagine somebody in your family going through a tough time. And if you love that person and you, you know that it wasn't any fault of their own, you would probably move mountains to get to them. You would give whatever it took in order to help that person because they're your family. I've, I've done the same thing for my family. Is even things that I look back and think, I wouldn't do that again if I could, but because I love my family, I did whatever it took to help them. And that's my family. That's my flesh and blood. But it was a church. They said, as a church, we are going to do this. And we have about 40 people to try, if we could possibly do this. For them, their church, was like 5,000 people. Right? Acts 4.4 talks about the church going to over 5,000 people. That's a monumental task that these people were undertaking that they wanted to help support and love and to try to take care of each other. But they said, this is what we want to do. And they didn't do this because the apostles got up and said, you should do this. You guys should sell your land and your house, and you should give us the money so that we could give it away. There was no message saying to do this. It was just the heart that these people had for each other. They knew the disciples were the ones who could take it and to give it away to whoever needed it. And so they said, we want to do that. There were plenty of opportunities to give then. And you guys know, there are plenty of opportunities to give now. <clears throat> like I've already mentioned, the little missionary envelope or the offering plate, the Awana store, right? Uh, in a couple of weeks, we're going to do the baby bottles. We're going to be getting these little baby bottles and put in a check or cash or whatever, and over the summer we're going to collect and, and give that back so that they can use that money to fund uh, pregnancy options as far as ultrasound and clothing and rewards for these parents who are trying to keep their kids. And there's a slew of other opportunities. You guys probably get them in the mail, letters from missionaries. Um, I do as well. They're never-ending. Uh, there's multiple opportunities in order to help people. Well, how are you going to handle that? Well, there is the correct way, which is the right way to give, and we have an example of that, uh, of a guy named Barnabas, Acts chapter 4, verses 36 and 7. It says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned, he brought the money and put it at the Apostle's feet. His real name was Joseph, they nicknamed him Barnabas because he was the guy who encouraged everybody. It wasn't because of this one instance. But his whole life was kind of backed up, and he was always someone who was standing up for people. Uh, we see it later with Paul. He's trying to come to his defense. He's an advocate. He's just encouraging. He's the guy that comes around that makes you feel like, I want to keep trying. I want to do good. Hopefully, each one of us can earn that nickname Barnabas. I did have a nickname once, and I didn't, I didn't really earn it. it. It was something that was bestowed upon me, and I didn't even understand it. I was playing baseball. And uh, the very first day of practice, I got the nickname Sabo. Doesn't that sound cool? Sabo. Like some tough fighter or or something like that. And all it had to do with, and I didn't even know, all it had to do with a baseball player that had prescription goggles. And that's all it was. And I got the nickname Sabo. So hopefully, you know, we can, I mean, this guy was, he was a guy who encouraged people. And they said, hey, we're going to change your name because you're just that kind of guy. And all he was doing was doing what John thirteen thirty five says. It says, by all this, men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's what Barnabas was doing. His whole life was just naturally loving other people. And he was, he's mentioned here as a guy who sold his land, gave it to the disciples, and they used that to, to bless people as they needed it. Now, I don't know why Barnabas was chosen for this. You know, possibly it's because he was so well-known. Right? He's got this, uh, this uh, nickname of encouragement, and people all recognized him as a special guy, so they said, hey, we're going to write specifically about them. Look what Barnabas did. But maybe he was just the first guy to give, right? or he gave the most land, or he gave everything that he had. You can find him later on the missionary trail with Paul, so maybe he just gave it all. But all we know was that he gave wholeheartedly. He just gave it to the disciples, took his hands off of it, and walked away. He was a wholehearted giver. And guess what we need to be today? Wholehearted giver. Now maybe that's every one of you. You can say, you know what, Josh? I give the right way. I give for the right reason. I give because I want to give. Um, but I know that's not always the case. <clears throat> but I, mean, I hope that it is. Um, because that's the way it appears to be. And if that's you, the Lord bless you for it. Keep it up. Because God, as we'll see you a little bit later, God's going to reward you when you put that money in the offering plate. When the Wanda store comes and you've donated items to that, which I know some of you have done. When the baby bottles are filled up and we carry this big clothing basket back to those people in order to, to use it at the pregnancy place. So option number one is to give the right way because you want to. And doesn't that feel good? I want to give. I'm happy to give. And so then I do that. But then you also have the other side. You have the flip side. You have the right You gotta have the wrong. Uh, The wrong reason to give. It's a little bit longer passage. Uh, A guy by the name of Ananias and his wife Sapphira. Acts chapter 5 verses 1 through 11. It says, Now a man named Ananias together with his wife Sapphira also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge he kept back part of the money for himself. But he brought the rest of it and put it at the apostle's feet. Then Peter said, Ananias? How is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept, uh, you have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your or disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to man, but you have lied to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died, and great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him about three late years or three hours later, his wife came, not knowing at all what had happened. Peter asked her, "Tell me, is this the price you got for the land?" She says, "Oh, yes, it is. This is the price." And Peter said to her, "How could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also." At that moment, she fell down at his feet and she died. Then the young man came in, in and, finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Obviously, this was a very half-hearted couple. They weren't giving for the right reason. Now, the problem wasn't the fact that they chose to keep part of the money, right? Nobody would fault them. Nobody would care if they did that. They had a piece of land. If you sold a piece of land, and you said, look, I'm going to keep every dollar of it, okay. You sell every cow that you have, and you keep all the money, okay. They're your cows. It's your land. It makes perfect sense. I don't think anybody's going to look and say, well, we kept ours, but you better share yours. The land was theirs. They had it at their disposal. They could do anything they want with it. They could have kept the land and never sold it. They could have kept the land and just said, here, apostles, here's a dollar. I hope it helps. If they wanted to because it was there. The problem wasn't that they kept it. Exactly. The problem was that they lied about it. They lied. And why did they lie about this? Well, my sneaking suspicion is they saw Barnabas getting a lot of kudos. You know, you, you donate a lot of money to a church or, or to the disciples. And that, that's going to spread like wildfire. All of a sudden, the, the missionary reserve is, is huge. Where did that money come from? And it's really hard to keep secrets like that. And these people are going to know. And I think they saw, wow, Barnabas got a lot of credit. He got a lot of kudos. He, he looked good. I want that, too. But I really don't want to give everything because I want to take care of myself, too. <clears throat> and and they, when they lied about it, they, they, didn't, they thought they were just lying to the disciples. They thought, well, this is no big deal. People lie all the time. I'm sure you've experienced people lying to you. Do they fall over dead? No. People probably lied back then, and nothing really happened, but this God looked at a little bit differently. He says, you guys aren't just lying to the church, you guys are lying to me as well. Um, Acts uh, 5 verse 4 says, "Uh, What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not just lied to human beings, but to God. And ultimately, lying to the Holy Spirit was lying to God. God saw this as a little bit different, and he was not going to let them get away with it. What were the consequences? Verse five and six. It says, "When Ananias heard about this, he fell down and he died." It says, "And great fear seized all who heard what had happened." Then some of the young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. Verse seven. What happened to Sapphira? About three years later, or three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. She was given the same opportunity to tell the truth. She chose to lie, and Peter says. How could you choose to do this? Listen, the men who buried your husband are waiting to bury you. And she fell down and she died. So that was the consequences to their actions of lying to the Holy Spirit. They could have just as easily said, you know what? We just wanted to give some of the money. We just wanted to give half of the money. Uh, but we, we, they, they chose to go the other route because they were half-hearted givers. And God wasn't going to let them get away with it because they were lying to him and lying to the people at the same time. There were half-hearted givers then. Guess what? There are half-hearted givers now. Throughout the whole world, there are people in churches, yesterday, today, tomorrow, on Thursday night, people who are watching that plate go by, and they stick money in because they feel like they have to. Because they feel like my neighbor did it. Because, um, because they feel guilty if they don't. And if that's you, I hope it's not. I hope that When you give, you want to give. You feel good about giving. God has ultimately blessed us. He's, he's provided us with everything that we need. We say, hey, I want to give a little bit of this back to God. It's no fun to give if you feel like you have to. But if you want to, by all means, it's exciting to give. I want to look at a couple of verses about what, what the Bible says about giving. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6-8. through eight. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8, that's just a little bit small for me. It says, remember this: whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each one of you should give what he has decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So first thing we see is that God loves it when you give happily, when you are excited to give, when you want to give. God gets excited about that. He, he, God freely gives. He says, freely give. Uh, I mean, God, God gets excited. He cares. He doesn't get excited when we're doing this out of obligation. When I feel like I have to give, and I'm grudgingly going, okay, fine, I'm writing out this check, or fine, I'm in Walmart and I'm dumping all the stuff in the basket to give to church because, boy, we better have them want a store God doesn't get excited about that. He wants you to want to give. And so he gets excited, and he loves it when you get excited about giving. But also this verse says that God will reward you based on your giving. And this could be a challenge. It could be something that's encouraging. If you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. And that's okay. I mean, if you feel like that's all I can do happily is just give a little bit, uh, then fine. By all means, just give a little bit. But if you say, I'm going to give a lot, God's going to bless you a lot. Not prosperity gospel. He's not going to make your bank account full of cash or make everything in life work out for you. But He may do that. He may bless you on earth with more money so that you can give more. He may bless you with better health. Who knows what He's going to do? It just says God will bless you if you you sow generously. God's going to reward you generously. But I know up in heaven He's going to at least take care of it then. And by the time you give now, and, and it gets up to heaven and God does something with it, it's going to be amazing. Nothing you have in this life is going to be worth anything compared to what you are going to get. You will be rewarded based on your giving. So when you drop money in the offering plate when it's passing by, or when you donate gifts to the Iwana store, which I hope you still do, uh, when the baby bottle comes by, and you, you give money to that. Uh, and, you, and you want to, and you're excited about doing that, God will reward you for doing that. I mean it encourages me that okay, I want to give more. God's going to bless me more if I if I give more. But it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what you give. It doesn't matter how it compels in comparison to other people. Because you know, some people have lots of money. Some people don't have so much. And we can easily look and say, I can't give as much as that person or I can't do what that person can do and say it's it's not really worth doing. Well, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 12, we got this picture of a guy looking at his wallet. Like, there's got to be something in here, right? It says, for the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one doesn't have. If you don't have barely any money and you can only give a little, God's going to reward you for that. If you have gobs of money and you give a gobs of money, God's going to reward you. But it doesn't matter. If you just say, you know what? All I can do is afford this, and you do that, God is going to bless you. But like I said, this isn't about trying to convince you to give more. Right? This is the most generous church I've ever been a part of. I mean, with, with the missionaries, the money that they get, I've never seen that before. Maybe that's common here, but in my life, I've never seen missionaries get as much money as they do here. So this is a very generous church. So I'm not trying to say, give more. I'm just trying to say, if you're going to give, do it the right way. So it doesn't matter how much you feel like you can give. However much you give, God will bless you for them. Think about the widow who gave her very last two points. She gave all she had to live on. And God says, you know what? She just sunk all y'all. She, she just gave a lot more than the rest of everybody. Mark chapter 12, verses 43 to 44. Mark chapter 12, verses 43 to 44. It says, Jesus calls his disciples to him and said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more money into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything she had, all she had to live on. How was she going to survive after that? There was no Social Security coming. There was no help from the government. There was no aid from the king. There was nothing. And she says, you know what? I'm going to give. And it's two little coins that... You couldn't even hear them fall in the bucket. Nobody would have noticed anything except for Jesus pointed it out and said, Look what this woman did. She put in way more than everybody else. Because all she had to live on, that's what she stuck into it. So it doesn't matter what you give. It doesn't matter if, it, if you feel like it's a lot or it's a little. God will bless you. He will reward you if you do it the right way. You will feel better, and, the, and God will, will be happier with it. So we all come across opportunities all the time to give to other people. It might be the offering plate at church. It might be uh, ministries such as Iwana or Bible study or BBS. Or it might be missionaries such as our church support. You get letters in the mail. Or it might be just somebody you see out there who has a need. They say, you know what, I can meet that need. And I want to meet that need. The opportunities are endless. But when you give you have three options, right? If, you, if the opportunity comes to you that you could give something, you have three options. One is to be happy and give because you want to. And that's the right way to give, and God will bless you for it. Option number two is give because I have guilt, because I feel like God's going to be happy with me, because I'm trying to earn favor with God or, or something. And I know in a lot of churches, people do that. People donate gobs of money to, uh, even not in churches. They'll do it to churches or to... Uh, People groups because they be a philanthropist, right? They want to help the nations because they're trying to make something better. Like when I die I want to go to heaven. And God said, That's not how you do it. This isn't how you get to heaven. It's through Jesus. But people don't realize that. And so they will give far more money than all all of us could put together, give away. But God doesn't need that. God doesn't want that. So we can give the right way because I want to. We can give the wrong way because out of guilt or because I feel like I have to. Or we can not give at all, which is sometimes the best option. Because if you don't want to give, and, and you're trying to do it anyway, the blessing, I don't even know if there's a blessing in that. Right? God wants to bless you for giving cheerfully, but if you're not giving because you want to, there's not much of a blessing in that. So I just want to remind you, I want to challenge you, as opportunities come to bless somebody, only do it because you want to, not because you have to. God loves a cheerful giver. God loves it when we give happily. And God will reward you for us based off of what we give and how we give it. Just be encouraged. What, what we give, we're giving to the Lord. It doesn't matter what anybody else does with it. God is blessed and he'll bless you for, for what you do. Here. Just make sure you're doing it for him. Let's pray. Father God, you have blessed each of us with home, with money, with resources. And God, I, I am grateful for that. Because without you, God, we really have nothing. God, I just pray that as we have opportunities to to help each other, to help ministries, to help missionaries, to help the person in need on the street, God, that we do it because we want to. Not because out of guilt, not because we feel like we have to, but because we are cheerfully and happily giving this, because we're giving it as if we're giving it to you. Thank you, God, that you even choose to bless us for giving. You know, you don't make it a law or a rule that we have to, but you say you'll bless us if we give, and I'm grateful for that. Let us be cheerful givers and may you be blessed in it. And I pray this in Jesus' name.